Hello, and welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to emphasize the opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Oddfellows. Our fascinating conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. So sit back, open your ears, and your heart in your hand while I introduce you to our hosts. hot off of second and third degree initiation last night hi tara how are you hi billy <laughs> we have a story to tell is that okay you guys we're just let everybody know there's a bunch of uh, people on our zoom call that we're not going to talk to for a moment the guys from three links oddcast are there so tell me about your degree well um we hosted not only um a couple of our sisters getting their second and third degree but um also two brothers from nanaimo from Black Diamond Lodge. Mm. So that was delightful. They got to make the rainy drive over the Malahat. So it's about 150 clicks, I think that is yeah. distance wise for those who aren't from here. And uh, had a really great initiation. Costumes were worn, laughs were had, a couple bumps here and there. But, you know, as those who listen to the Degree Lodge podcast, yeah. uh, that's a luxury we do not have. We so, don't have that. But it, uh, we were talking about it afterwards, and I think if it was the same people doing it all the time, then you don't really get to, like, individuals don't get to learn the parts. It's valuable to learn the parts. And uh, also, you'll be pleased, the uh, initiates did not know, or the four gentlemen who came to watch from um, Nanaimo didn't know that we had a podcast. Oh. So, so if you notice four new subscribers. There we go. You're welcome. There we go. <laughs> well, welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. I'm Tara Zajac. And we're here with the gentleman from Three Links Oddcast. Welcome, everybody. Thank hey. You. So if you've been on our crossover episodes before, uh, then uh, you're an a veteran. But if you haven't been on one uh, with a crossover, you're a rookie. And so we want to introduce our rookie of the night, Brother Mike. Hey, everybody. How are you? Mike from, uh, yeah, I'm from West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Tonight I'm in Pennsylvania. Right on. Excellent. So tell us about your Oddfellows journey. Uh, I saw an Oddfellows Lodge. I would drive by it periodically back in the 90s. And, uh, you know, it was always closed up and there was a chain across the driveway and I didn't know what it was, but I thought the name was cool. And then uh, fast forward about 10 years later, I had moved away to the from the area and then I moved back and uh, got to know people in a little small town that had its own lodge and they asked me if i wanted to join because they hadn't brought a member in in 20 years and they were afraid that the lodge was going to shut down and so that's how i got in and i was fortunate that our lodge secretary was a very active odd fellow belonged to all the branches was a rep to sovereign grand lodge so i learned a lot right away from don trulick um and then he passed away sadly in a car accident and uh about that time i started working in west virginia and um, I was down there for a while before I started attending the lodge in Charleston, West Virginia, Canal 25. And uh, I got involved with them and the encampment there and started a canton in Charleston because they had lost theirs. And 
and then recently was deranged enough to become the Grand Secretary of <laughs> West Virginia. Gotcha. Yeah. I saw a great uh, meme today about the secretary holding the lodge secretary holding the world up. Uh, I think that was uh, on the odd yes. memes. So uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, welcome. And uh, congratulations on being a host of uh, Three Links Oddcast. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I've, I've been enjoying it. Excellent. And the other two hosts you're with are, who wants to go first? Toby Hansen. I think a few of you probably recognize my voice here. <laughs> and and I'm Ainsley Heilick. And uh, this is our, is this our third or fourth crossover? Maybe four. I don't know. Been a lot. 117th crossover. And uh, that's right. And so usually we are, you know, we have our, we have our writers meeting, we have our read through, we have our prep, we have table reads, all that stuff. Uh, tonight, blocking. Uh, well, you have blocking, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but tonight, nothing. This is all uh, off the cuff, uh, shooting from the hip, uh, taking what the can of beer feeds us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, we do have topics. All right. I have, the, I have some topics and we're going to do a, uh, a show here. And then the other half of our show will be on the three links podcast. So please download both. Uh, and for those of you who have downloaded the three links podcast and you're listening to it going, what the heck's going on? Welcome, because now you're listening to the first half of the conversation. Um, and we have, uh, I don't know, I guess five topics that are on the sheet here. How do you guys want to do it? Give me some advice. Give me some guidance. Let's start with uh, the very first topic there on your list. Leadership. Uh, yeah, that's one that I'm the most interested in right now. Okay, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. Leadership at every level growing the membership. Yeah, so I have noticed something. Um, I've been traveling around a little bit more this year. I got to visit the grand sessions in three other jurisdictions. Uh, I went to Oregon and California in May, and I went to Idaho in October. And it's really given me a, a little bit of a new perspective on the some of the similarities, differences, the way things are done in various jurisdictions besides my own. Now, I've not yet been able to go to the BC sessions, and I have to say, I absolutely loved the episode you guys did on Modern Goat Rider about what it was like attending the BC sessions because it brought back so many memories of my first time going to Grand Lodge and just being bewildered by the way that everything functioned and not understanding any of it. Well, now I've been going to Grand Sessions for almost 20 years, so I've pretty much got it down. But in visiting these different sessions, I saw the different ways in which leadership functions in each place. Uh, and so this idea of the different levels of odd fellowship, uh, it's kind of like federalism where you have local state and national or local provincial and national uh, governments that do different kinds of things. Oh, we have kind of the same layer cake in odd fellowship. And 
I've seen a really wide variety of the way the jurisdictional leadership approaches things. Now, I got to give props to the jurisdiction of Idaho because in the last year and a half, maybe two years, starting during the pandemic, there was some really great growth that started happening in one part of the state. And their Grand Lodge and the leaders in the Grand Lodge were really responsive. And they were really kind of encouraging that group in Pocatello. We did an episode where we talked to a couple of the people in Pocatello. And when I got to Idaho at their sessions, I found out that encouragement and that direction and that really kind of intensive work is paying off. And the leadership in Idaho is really benefiting, and so is the entire jurisdiction. Now, contrast that with what I've seen in a couple of other jurisdictions, and not necessarily ones that I visited this year, but especially the way Washington used to be, where there was kind of a laissez-faire attitude earlier on, uh, and it went with the idea that as lodges get weak and start failing, we need to eliminate those lodges, cut back the deadwood, and refocus our resources on the lodges that are going to be successful so we're not, quote-unquote, throwing money away. And that seems like such a radically misguided idea, especially having gone to Idaho and having seen how an encouraging and supportive Grand Lodge has led to growth within the jurisdiction. Uh, right now, they're talking about chartering a new lodge in a university town, Moscow, Idaho, which is right on the Washington-Idaho border. Because now that one group is excited and doing things, other people in Idaho are taking notice of that and saying, if they can fix up their old lodge hall, we can get a a group of people together and start a new lodge. And so that contrast in the way leadership has functioned in Idaho, where there's a lot of encouragement, and then in other places, especially in previous years, where it was very much about consolidation, getting rid of problems, you know, eliminating the five-person lodge that struggles to make quorum so the Grand Lodge can put its resources elsewhere. And it, it was really kind of an epiphany for me to look at that and say, hey, the only organization that promotes Odd Fellowship is the Odd Fellows. And if we want to strengthen our lodges, uh, we would do well to invest in even the weak lodges because we never know when the weak lodges are going to turn around and become the strong lodges and become drivers of more growth. Uh, and so just having that experience of visiting the different jurisdictions um, really brought home to me how important the leadership is at the top when dealing with weak and struggling lodges. Well, I mean, I agree, Toby. It's it's a lot of preaching to the choir, I guess, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right? Like we, I think we agree that, you know, this isn't a debate. So my, my question though, is what do you think was different about that? Was it the people? 
understood leadership or you know in idaho or was it that um the laissez-faire attitude was just so entrenched and it was easy to to ignore the um the problem by i don't know focusing on something that was less of a problem um but easier to handle well the best i can tell uh i'm not a psychologist but it really seems to me like Idaho being a jurisdiction that is small, that lost their all-knowing grand secretary a few years ago, um, they kind of had to pick up the pieces, put it back together. And that old organizational philosophy of cutting the deadwood and focusing resources toward the strong lodges died with that. It went away. And I really think it's the kind of thing that happens when you've got a change that happens where an organization has a near-death moment. And they go, uh-oh, we, we are running out of lodges to keep capitalizing the Grand Lodge. At some point, we've got to turn that around, and we've got to start actually building lodges to help sustain the Grand Lodge. Because prior to that, you know, if you're talking about a jurisdiction that had a hundred lodges, they could lose 10 lodges and not even bat an eye. And it makes the grand secretary's job that much easier with fewer lodges. But when you get down to the size of Idaho, where it's uh, 15 lodges, then all of a sudden it's like, ah, we can't afford to lose any. We've got to put in some effort. So I really think it was a shift in philosophy that was brought on by that near-death experience of the jurisdiction. I wouldn't be so inclined to you know, criticize some of the ways things went for the past 20 years. And things were going downhill. We had a lot of redundant lodges in states like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, where I'm familiar. You might have had three or four lodges in the same city. And, you know, with parking only at some of them and the same members, you know, cross-pollinating, it made sense sometimes to let a few lodges consolidate and not try to maintain so many. And so I don't really blame that process from starting. Uh, I think the lack of a strategic plan to see when things go too far, when all of a sudden there's not a lodge in a county anymore or not a lodge in a four-county area anymore because you let them fold, then you have a very difficult time reestablishing in an area. And when you see larger communities suddenly have no lodge at all, and they're the feeder point, it starts to get a little disconcerting. But that, I think, I mean, it's nice to say that grand secretaries can maybe do more things and and lead the ship on that. But the Oddfellows, it has a structure that's built for maintaining the status quo and not really advancing things. If you only have a term for a year at most, you don't get to do a lot. And so even if somebody comes in with good ideas and puts together a good plan and finds good district deputies to go out there and push membership and work with lodges, very good likely it's gonna be over as soon as that term is over, or it might last a year or two if a couple people in a line decide to work together. But we all know that you end up with caretaker people that go through at different times and, and we see these various efforts fail. And it's not just at Grand Lodges, we see it as Sovereign Grand Lodge. How many initiatives have we begun only to see them sort of just fizzle out? Mm -hmm. Or we have all these different programs sort of running simultaneously, but not really being championed by anyone anymore. 
And it comes down to your local lodges too. Lodges could go out and interact with their community, find events, find disadvantaged groups that might want to be involved with them. But they also become comfortable and you're only in there for six months or a year, depending on your lodge. You don't have much leadership experience before that. And so it just sort of becomes, did you open? Did you close? Did you do your bills? Did you, you know, initiate candidates? And anything with a bigger vision kind of gets dropped by the wayside, even though we make membership committee a required committee and we fill out reports about it and we talk about it. But that's usually as far as we go. Mm. It's interesting with the um, the three lodges or whatever close by and then the idea of consolidating because I think about our Victoria building that holds uh, three lodges. And for us, I would say that I enjoy that we can remain separate as a lodge with an identity, but still collaboratively work with the other lodges when it kind of makes sense. So it's, I'm picturing if some order from on high came and said, nope, y'all have to be one big group now. And that, that might uh, make some people fussy. And it also, depending on if you have odd fellows ambitions, um, now the distance between you and that noble grand chair gets a lot farther too, if all of a sudden, you know, you're consolidated with groups. So I can see why the idea to consolidate or not has to be done on almost like a, maybe a case-by-case basis of who's around and also if you consolidate into one lodge and that doesn't go well then now you've just um hamstrung growth opportunities for the smaller lodges to still exist because they don't anymore and yeah. you're putting all your eggs in one basket quite literally yeah, i agree and ainsley should pipe in on this yes. one as well for illinois but the uh the case of the uh, the dreaded associate member Mm-hmm. um is being the case of why those little lodges are surviving is that there's associate members mm-hmm. in that county or in like in our case in bc in this region where there's slightly you know tolerable driving distance um there's uh, people who are associate members and that's how they're keeping the lodge alive instead of instead of using associate membership in my vision is is to build a lodge and not to serve, you know, keep a lodge afloat. Um, so that's possibly, I don't know, Mike, is that, is that kind of the situation you saw with the, the closure was that there was a lot of overlap of members or. We see that a lot, that they start to be interlapping with each other. And then they decide that, you know, when you're, when you get down, if you don't have five regular members then, you know, then you can't keep your charter. No matter how many associates you have, you have to have five regular members or else you can't vote to consolidate or vote to do anything with property. And, you know, associates only have certain powers. And so eventually you get comfortable. People are helping you. You're not really going out and struggling to get your lodge going. And so you consolidate. And I've seen it in both jurisdictions. And when a lodge consolidates, that community loses odd fellowship because there's nobody, there's no presence. And the one or two people that might decide to be active, eventually they die. And odd fellowship dies in that community. And I agree. Associate membership should be people from stronger lodges coming and providing the energy and the ideas to help a lodge that's stuck figure out what can they do to make change. Sometimes a fresh set of eyes makes all the difference in a community on what you could do. And I think we've seen that in various places. In West Virginia, this surprisingly, as much as people nationally might uh, you know, talk about the Rebecca's being a drain and maybe they should consolidate in. 
We've seen uh, one large lodge rechartered uh, because the Rebecca Lodge decided to get the Oddfellow Lodge rechartered. And then we had uh, just this year, we had a lodge start from scratch in a town in the middle of way, way down in Bradshaw where there had been a Rebecca Lodge. And they said, hey, why don't we have an Oddfellow Lodge too? So, and they got new members who were not members of the Rebecca's. They got people from the community who had never belonged to come in. So the idea that people from other lodges or other branches can drive and grow membership is important. But again, you need the Grand Lodge to help because people don't know the process to charter a lodge or recharter a lodge or go out and fix up their building enough if they don't have the money in order to make it attractive for people. I think uh, Justin Bailey was on uh, the Three Links podcast talking about what was done in Pennsylvania, basically marketing, hey, do you want a free building to meet in and some yeah. money? <laughs> Show up on this day and you can do it. Yeah. It's a creative way to try to save things. Um, because I think we all know that it's easier to start a lodge sometimes mm. than to fix a lodge. But wow. once you close it and the property gets sold off, good luck ever getting another one going because where are they going to meet? Yeah. 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 Ainsley, you're shot. Yeah. So um, I know it's like I didn't know how to hop in on it. Um, I felt like like playing jump rope. And I was like, I can't jump in. Um, <laughs> there's so many more people. Uh, so like in Illinois, I feel like uh, with the Grand Lodge leadership, they have, of course, we've got the, the executive board, which is, you know, the 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 grand officers, which um they're all you know past grandmasters in their own right. They have a bazillion years experience between them. And I feel like they all work very closely together as a unit. And they not that this happens with every grandmaster coming up the line, but I do see that there is an effort to keep some sort of consistency of programs. If like one grandmaster starts a project they don't want to see it immediately drop the next year uh, by the next guy coming or the, you know, eventually gal coming up the line. That's going to, you know, take their, take the chair because some of these projects that we're getting involved in right now are going to be multi-year projects. Um, for example, uh, one of the ones we got going right now is the blanket 501 C3 for the entire jurisdiction that that way, Lodges can take tax deductible donations and send it to this lockbox account and um, things like that. That it's going to take a couple of years to get this stuff set up, and um, you can't just, you know, obviously there's a lot of paperwork and time and waiting and involved with filing for stuff like that, and you, you can't miss a step or drop the ball because otherwise you've wasted a lot of prior energy and money and expense and paperwork filing and. Um, so it's there are a lot of projects that you cannot accomplish in one term that you need consistency and everybody on board to agree to carry the reins to see the project into full fruition because otherwise there's going to be no larger goals that can be attained if every year it's a completely new program and you just abandon what the prior person was doing, or if everybody just picks vanity projects that um, make them look good for the year, but it doesn't get picked up by the next person. And it's just a one-time thing. You know, you, you need people to, as the, the grand line to be on the same page to, you know, 
make sure that there is consistency because it's not like a presidency where you have four years to get stuff done. By the time you're done with your term as grandmaster, you just figured out the position and then you're you're done. So yeah, I I don't know where I was going. I went into the weeds. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I like how in Illinois they they do tend to at least from where I'm sitting, I'm only just now I've become a, a district deputy. So I'm still a little baby here, but um, at least from where I'm sitting, it looks like they at least, even though it might not be a hundred percent across the board, they at least make the effort to have the consistency across, you know, terms to make sure things do get completed. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's been, yeah, 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 yeah. Corporate. I totally agree. Corporate stuff takes a while. Um, and so we know that, uh, and Mike is dead on that, you know, we're set up to be caretakers um, as mm. even noble grants come in and whether you have a, a lodge that has, I guess, the tradition of even noble grand programs or, you know, something that um, might not be a pet project so much, but is definitely a contributor to a successful lodge in their belief. Um, even you know, by the end of the first month in their term, they're just starting to figure it out and they may give up on their, on their program because this, the lodge is taking a lot of time. Um, I, I, it's surprising. I mean, we should really, one day we should do a, a show about uh, how wrong we got being a noble grand. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, we'll talk a year from now. Maybe a year. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I think, uh, one of the things that I saw, and I, maybe I mentioned it at our show at Grand Lodge, was the, um, uh, so our new Grandmaster is Jim Stiven, and he's going to be in for an eight-month term, because we're going from one extra long term to get back on cycle. Um, and so he is, he, he's, you know, he kind of a, ter- a caretaker, but what he wants to do is he wants to do exactly what Ainsley says, which is start some programs that he can then go into PG mode, PGM mode, and take around the block another year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a different mentality too, like so to the leadership points. Um, he had very different ideas on growing membership uh, than what was being used, uh, exchanged in the meeting. Um, mm-hmm. The work groups and he... He saw what everybody did. Two work groups came up with these whiteboards and stuff. And uh, he he said, okay, you present. And one group presented and the other group presented, you know, so clean up your hall, uh, have throw parties, uh, open doors, open meetings, all these things. And Jim just said, these are all the same ideas that have been around for ages. And we need to think either differently and look for different opportunities, or we need to just keep doing those new, those old things more frequently or more uh, with more dedication, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's not that those ideas are bad or outdated. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's like anything that's good for us. We know it's good for us, but we don't do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of like, you know, all those things, it's kind of like eating your vegetables, exercising, you know, things like that. It's, it's, it's just like that. Like we know we have to do those things, but we just kind of, it's easy to not do them because it's not always fun. 
Well, and it, it lacks a certain amount of sexiness because, of course, sort of like the other good things, like I could take this. Oh, have you heard of uh, chia seeds? You know, like that's mm. going to sort my life out. Yeah. And same thing for recruitment. There's a shiny new bobble over there versus sticking with yeah. things that, that work. But I mean, also at the same time, you don't want to get complacent. I think Tony was talking about Toby was talking about complacency. Sorry. Um, so it's good to consider outside the the norm ideas, because otherwise you're just beating a dead horse or yeah. whatever. Oh, absolutely. And if we had like Mike touches on again, I'm going back to Mike. So Mike makes some great points. Um, the like, do we need to be Amway? Do we need to be Mary Kay? Like, do we need to have a pyramid type? Like, we do we need money flowing out of the top? <laughs> You know, that's forcing us to bring new people in. And of course, that's all the wrong reasons to do it. But we don't push money out the top like we used to. And so 1890, you read the minutes in your lodge or, you know, they're going, we need more members, blah, 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 you know, because we've got these old guys. We're paying for the doctors and the nurses and the visits and the funerals and all this stuff. Cholera. yeah, cholera is killing people. Just, but um, yeah, so like I think it's 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 almost like the, something needs to. We can't spark it with just a change, but obviously the the drive in of new people um, has to be both what they can get out of it, but also what the order needs out of those new people. Um, I think that's funny you brought up reading the old journals because that's one of the, my little hobbies sometimes to go and read them. And it's like an echo chamber. I mean, every year, mm-hmm. as far back as you go, it's, well, we have a problem with membership and we've got older members and we need to bring in new people and what can we do about it? And, the, and you hear the same talking points and the same, let's go out and get them and let's thumbs up and here's your pin and we're going to do this or that. And it ends up the same. But then you know, when I visited Columbia number two, when Sovereign Grand Lodge met in Victoria, I was completely thrown. I walked into a lodge that ran like I thought a lodge should run. Hmm. I mean, I come from the Masonic side of things first. So I was used to a lot of structure, people dress nicely, you know, trying to, you know, people having their parts memorized and all of that. And then Odd Fellowship was... Uh, a lot more loosey-goosey on all of those aspects. And I just figured, well, that's just the way it is. But going to Columbia, too, I saw that, you know, it may have been that way is what I was told. And there were, it was a smaller lodge. And then you started bringing in people and focusing on doing it right. And that focus attracted more people because Odd Fellowship is a great product. The problem is that we don't always do it. Lodges say, well, we're going to skip the rehearsal of duties because we don't feel like going through that again. No, we're not going to sing. We don't really want to bother with that. We're not going to do this or we're not going to do that. And pretty much you say, well, is it odd fellowship anymore? Like, what is it? If you don't have all the pieces, if you don't have the ritual, if you don't have the benefits, and if you don't have the socializing opportunities, you don't have the organization. And they wonder why no one wants to join. But it's really hard when you bring a new member in to just flip a switch and say, oh, somebody new came in. Let's all go back to doing it the way we used to, because you've gotten so set in doing it the lazy way that it's really hard to write the ship and do it another way. Yeah, I heard a story from someone who joined. Uh, one of the great things about doing the podcast is we get 
the emails from various listeners. And I got an email from someone who said that he joined and he wasn't the least bit interested in attending his lodge because he went on a Tuesday afternoon, talked to the five old guys. They said, yeah, we'd love to have you as a member. Uh, they brought him in and they, it was the first time he had ever seen the actual inside of their lodge hall. All of the cool stuff, the regalia, everything was all locked away in cabinets where it could not be used and was not seen. And he, he went in and he's like, why does this lodge have all of this great stuff and they never use it? And he, he gets to watch the, the video to be initiated and take his three degrees. And at the end, he's like, do I matter so little to these people that they can't even put on a live degree? You know, is this so trivial that they're not going to actually do what they're supposed to do and perform the degrees for me? And of course, I struck a very sympathetic tone in my response and said, well, we do have a lot of lodges with older members. They're not capable. They're not up to all of the walking around and everything like that. And this is where I think there's some real brilliance in the new version of the initiatory degree that was adopted in 2017 that can be done seated at a table with no walking around. Because I know of at least one situation where there was a lodge that needed to initiate someone who recently had broken their foot and was not very ambulatory. And so being able to do the degree seated at the table uh, is so much better than watching the videos because it's actually interactive and participatory. And so for this new member to have joined thinking, oh, I'm going to be part of this really active, very serious, very important fraternity only to get, yeah, that's the cool stuff that we don't use anymore. Here, put this chain on, watch this video. Now you're an odd fellow. Now sit sit in the back and don't bother us because we already know how to do everything in this lodge. That is so disconcerting to new members and it's so disappointing. And uh, like Mike said, Odd Fellowship is a great product. We need to actually do it. People, and this is an attitude that I've run into and I don't know if the others of you have seen it. A lot of older members have done the fancy full degree work mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. They know it so well, they don't want to bother with it anymore. They want expedience. But the new members that come in, a big thing that attracts new members is the ritual. It's doing something that is special and meaningful. At the end of a day of sitting through a bunch of Zoom meetings that could have been handled in a simple email or a memo, they <laughs> want to go do something meaningful. And it's very disappointing to go to a lodge meeting and have the leadership say, well, we're not going to recite the charges of office. We're just going to sit here. We're going to talk about the bills, pay them, eat pie and go home. Well, that's not really odd fellowship. That could be any kind of meeting. And it's not something that's worth getting dressed up for. That's one thing that I think you guys up in Victoria do so well. You take odd fellowship seriously and you make it a meaningful experience for your members to go to that meeting. I can't imagine showing a video for initiation. I didn't realize that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a horrible thing. 
I, was, I wish I had that sound effect when you lose on The Price is Right. Yeah. <laughs> they really should just play that at the end of any video degree. It's better than Lodge's dying, but it is not yeah. better than no. actually doing real degrees. I, my term as Grandmaster, I had a couple of different Lodges that hadn't done degree work in over 20 years, and I said, I'll show up, I'll bring people, we will put on degrees... We will help you with this. And we did real live initiations with robes and paraphernalia and everything the way it is supposed to be done. And those candidates appreciated that. They liked the fact that the lodge was making an effort on their behalf to make them part of the lodge. Yeah, initi doing initiation is, is the most Doing it well is the most critical thing, I think. And I I really wish that uh, I, I don't know if they'll listen to the show, but uh, we just did first degree and we had a rehearsal and uh, it went well. Um, and then when the performance came, we we had a little too much overacting by one uh, wonderful performer and he actually uh, got too excited and uh, he took his actions ahead of his words and a, ahead of the rest of the, the cast. So he had to redo a part. And at that point, the, the candidates had a good chuckle about it. Um, but uh, um, yeah, we yeah, thank you for the compliments on Columbia and for Victoria and Bastion. And, you know, we do. It's not dying. It's not something that is... Uh, degree work that is is not dying and and in fact mm -hmm. i think there's sort of motivation especially after after an episode where you're like wouldn't it be great if everybody knew their parts um <laughs> maybe degree lodge does come to victoria um mm -hmm. so i mean that brings us back to the leadership issue and this I'm is just gonna just if uh, if you want to make your lodge better then you need to do odd fellowship better yeah yep and you can't expect the Sovereign Grand Lodge to hand you a miracle membership program or the Grand Lodge to, to send somebody to come visit your lodge and give you a speech and then it will fix your problems. It really does come with local people taking charge and exercising some leadership of doing Odd Fellowship and making it a habit to be Odd Fellows every single meeting. So that way you get energized and excited about it again. And then when you talk to people about it, they can sense that in you. Mm -hmm. But if you're just sort of, you know, ho hum about meetings, and you someone asks about it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna broadcast that excitement in your voice because you don't really feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody who's been an old member still feels it. They just have gotten used to not tapping into it. And if they found their lodge was going to close, they'd have some passion. But that's a little too late to have it come back up. Yeah. Well, I before we to, to, oh, I was gonna say I was gonna kind of build off of what Mike said there. Um, it was something that was uh, said at uh, the Illinois Grand Lodge session was that how they hear how Grand Lodge needs to help uh, Grand Lodge needs to help the lodges, which they totally agree with and they are there to help. But um, a lot of times they'll get feedback or they'll hear that, oh, well, Grand Lodge doesn't help us. But they didn't know that that lodge was having problems because nobody bothered to ask. Nobody bothered to send a communication up to Grand Lodge to say, hey, uh, we've got an issue or we 
need help or, you know, before things do get to that point where the lodge is on its, you know, final quorum and it's about ready to go. And obviously the lodges that are not turning in um, annual reports are going to (laughs) be very quickly identified as needing assistance by the Grand Lodge. But say if you're just kind of staying quiet, you're not really sending people to, to your session. You're not, you know, you're not sending reps. You're just doing your reports. Uh, maybe the district deputy visits you for installations once a year, hopefully. Um, but you know, we got a lot of lodges that are just kind of like little satellites doing their own thing that they, they say that, you know, Oh, nobody's here to help us, but like they, they, they don't take any, effort on their end it's you got you got to let us know that you need help and then everybody will spring into action and make it happen uh like like lightning yeah and and i i i do i want to put pressure on grand lodge yes um the idea that grand lodge could uh match money Mm -hmm. like I, i think grand lodges in general have a bit more money than lodges but if if a lodge in Victoria, in BC, what they just did was they said, okay, let's get everybody back. Let's get your members back. And mm-hmm. so we talked about this on the other show that where you, you would put a proposal in and they would give you a thousand dollars to have a members only event just to reunite your membership as they come back to the hall. Um, you know, <laughs> what if you, uh, what if your lodge did something with money other than having uh, an event for themselves, they tried to do something promotional you know, if Grand Lodge said, well, we'll match, come with an idea and we'll match $1,500. And, you know, you can, I don't know, run an ad in your local newspaper or something mm-hmm. where you think people are, are looking um, and, and we'll help you cover it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll bump up your impact. Um, like that's simple. And that just takes, you know, one leader to come to Grand Lodge and go, we have, we have 22 lodges. Let's multiply a thousand. Can we afford $22,000? Well, you know, well, yeah, sure. Okay, we can. And so it's up to the lodges to come up with the money. There's no threat. You're going to run out of money. And guess what? If you did, fantastic. You had 22 lodges that were interested in having new members. Um, I think there's kind of stuff like that that can be just um, kind of thrown out there. Just kind of come up with wacky ideas, shoot them around and, Unfortunately, there'll be old members that canceled on them. But um, I mean, Jerry Ratchford is 84 years old. He stood up and lodged the other day, chastised everybody about how they were doing their motions. But then he said, you know what? I'm not here to drive change in this lodge. You guys are going to drive change in this lodge Mm -hmm. and I'm going to accept it. Um, But he still told us that we were doing motions wrong, which that's his job. That's what he adds value with. I don't know. We do that one enough. Should we I go on to the next yeah. topic? Yeah. You want to talk about the naked member calendar? I, you know, it's on the list. It's on the list, and we just had a very thoughtful discussion about thoughtful things, and so let's let the pendulum swing to some levity. Okay, so <laughs> so you're thinking like a com- competition to outsell the firefighters' calendars? What are you thinking? Well, I, I want to know what Ainsley's really thinking, but what are you thinking? Well, this wasn't my agenda <laughs> item, so I wasn't thinking much. Um, I mean, all I, especially because we made jokes about middle-aged men, all I think about is George Costanza 
on the fur rug. Oh no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a real popular the only thing picture. That's crossing my mind. So I'm not sure what our goal or, like if our goal is to attract members, what's so Ainsley, you what are we doing here? You threw this one. Is have yes. you seen this in a or maybe Mike has seen Masons in their aprons or something like that? What 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 it, is this? It was the the um the the uh, is the buffaloes right is that yeah, the calendar the, the uh, antediluvian order the, of buffaloes antediluvian the uh, is it the royal order of antediluvian yeah, royal buffaloes or aob right yes and um so they had a i i don't think it was a modern one i think it was like probably like from like at least 20 years ago but it was a calendar of uh nude buffs in the buff i think is what it was buffs in the buff was what they had called it because you know that that was just too irresistible to not use and they were members wearing just their regalia and thankfully the buffaloes um still partake in aprons but (laughs) it was it was just one of those like huh so that's a really interesting kind of take and so of course i had immediately sent it over for everybody to have a look at and a good chuckle and then it was like well what's stopping us from doing something like that well it certainly so gets just, your name out there i mean it's yeah. something that necessarily attracts members but it certainly attracts attention exactly um, i'm probably the only nudist on this phone uh conference here for the the zoom meeting Thanks i'd be all for up. it um yeah well i do i kept a shirt on and uh <laughs> but i mean yeah collars don't cover a lot but you know we we have other things i mean you can hold an axe you you can hold an hourglass oh, you can you okay. can do different things to be strategic and still get the message of odd fellowship out i mean a big old all-seeing eye would certainly hold cover a, a lot. charge book right there <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I think you know it's not the idea that people necessarily want to see what we look like um without our robes uh very much i mean we've seen a few davids and um Mm -hmm. not always not always fun but it certainly (laughs) would get a lot of media attention yes um if something like that came out at least for a short amount of time and people would thumb through the pictures on a facebook post even without buying the calendar just because they think it would be hilarious you mentioned that george costanza picture i mean that thing is still internet popular i was gonna say we all remembered it Mm-hmm. Uh, we might turn into a meme and be all over the place. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing to get people laughing a little bit. I yeah. mean, the three Stooges used to talk about that joke. I'm going to get an elk. I'm going to get a moose. I'm going to get an fellow. Yeah. It, we used to get mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> huh. And it's I definitely think, odd. I think something like that, if we do it right, could be very beneficial. Um, my wife's grandmother, not the Canadian one, um, but the other one, um, she belonged to a garden club and they did, um, a naked ladies calendar, uh, where they're all out in their gardens and things like that. And of course it was done very tastefully. Uh, and these are all elderly women and it was just this amazing opportunity for people to say, okay, this kind of body positivity is not just for the classically good-looking people. Now, I'm not saying I want to see every past Sovereign Grandmaster naked in the calendar, <laughs> um, but I think that 
it's definitely the kind of novelty that could get us some positive attention for a change because there has been too much negative attention uh, that has been paid to Odd Fellowship, whether it's, you know, the occasional dust up over a skeleton that gets left behind in a lodge hall or what have you. Something like uh, a an Odd Fellows Nothing to Hide calendar, it could be brilliant and so much fun and so incredibly well done. I I would love to see something like that happen. I think it would need a little bit of a paradigm shift at Sovereign Grand Lodge to get something like that approved because the the group, especially within the uh, executive committee, they seem to be very cautious and very risk averse. And that seems like a pretty bold action for this particular group. Only if they have to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, what are the rules in Pasadena? That would be one way to get more interest in TV time on the float. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> just a flower bikini. <laughs> All right. I mean, so, I, I think that'd be, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, even if it was just done as an experiment, like as a large fundraiser, just to show them like, hey, this is, this is hilarious and it's successful. And it like brought us a lot of positive attention, you know, to, you know, I don't know. It, we have to come up with something as catchy as buffs in the buff, but. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's take the, the opportunity to transition to the, to three links oddcast on mm. that, because I want to start the, your show with the question, what can a lodge do that won't take their charter away? And I think <laughs> the question of, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Aitchison, sorry, had to be mentioned. It's a requirement on the, yes. the yep. uh, yep. modern Check. bill writer. Um, in the buff, uh, you know, jurisdictionally, I think people would kind of chuckle about it, but maybe not at Sovereign. So why don't we go over to your show and answer that question? I think that's an excellent opportunity. 